Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. You have to believe in the power of you. Uncomfortable is where the change is. have to be willing to question the impossible or you're planning for the inevitable. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you are living your Cognitive Rampage. Before I get into this podcast about why people judge you and why they are judging you, how we dish out advice where we seek advice, why we give advice, and a few other things down that rabbit hole. I even start to cover the sustainability of social media fame as far as uh, economics are considered and our economy growing as it does with so much money being dumped into social media and fame and wanting to be those influencers, as it said. Just want to let everybody know you can find my book, The Cognitive Rampage, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kindle as well. Check out my website, adamlowry.com, L-O-W-E-R-Y, or simply cognitiverampage.com. whole bunch of videos there to watch, things I call mental doses, which are my short-delivered Cognitive Rampages, my personal Cognitive Rampages, all my appearances on other podcasts, and obviously all of the lists of podcasts that we've done. This is episode 234. Been a long road, and thank you to all of you that continue to listen, that share, that subscribe, be that on iTunes, YouTube, or anywhere else. I love you. Thank you very, very much. Couldn't do this without all of you out there helping spread the Cognitive Rampage and living your own Cognitive Rampage. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter as well, AdamLowry.com, or just search the Cognitive Rampage. That's about all that comes up when you search the Cognitive Rampage. My third book, Athlete's Depression, is in the midst of being written. It takes a while. I'm also in the midst of recording the audio book to the second edition of the Cognitive Rampage. So a lot of work being done here in the Cognitive Cave as well. So tons of stuff going on. I stay rather busy, actually, but uh, enough of me rambling. How about some more of me rambling, at least with a centered focus on this Cognitive Rampage 234th episode of Why People Judge You. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you are living your Cognitive Rampage. Man, it feels good to be back on the mic on the Cognitive Rampage. Been busy for a little bit for the last uh, nine days or so, helping out uh, one of my clients there in the marketing company that uh, I run. But um had a lot of things go down and I wanted to come live to, well, get back to the basics of the podcast, which is uh, to try to help people, right? To try to find uh, things that I go through in my own life and things that perhaps can help you that I like to share, you know, um, share that to my personal page real quick. First, I want to thank everybody that listens and downloads the Cognitive Rampage podcast that follows us. We have, well, we have been doing really well. And that's thanks to all of you out there that share the podcast, that listen to it, that subscribe to it on iTunes and everywhere else we are. Just a huge thank you to you all. Uh, we have hit just above 250,000 subscribers on iTunes, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, I can still remember when I started this podcast, I don't know, four or five years ago. And uh, I remember it was about 30 listens <laughs> from there. But, you know, for anybody else, you got to stay diligent in what you do and continue to push forward that you grow from not quitting and continuing to push forward in your life and what you want to do, what you decide to do. And, you know, I began this podcast that many years ago in an attempt to help people while also exploring my own life, while also exploring 
competence, things I could learn, things I could use in my own life uh, as well. And well, it's helped a few people along the way. And thank you for those that reach out and message me and tell me so. Uh, Just keep in mind that it's you that does the work, not this podcast and not me. You listen and you apply anything that you learn from here. So that is all you doing that work has nothing to do with me because without that, I'm just up here making noises and nothing would apply. So to dive into the topic of people judging your choices and life, you may get this from time to time in your life or constantly from a person in your life or someone you may hold close in your life or even respect in your life that may judge your choices and what you do and how you choose to live life. More than likely, I got to say that for scientific reasons, but I would, (laughs) if we were talking in person, I would tell you, I'm telling you what they are doing is preaching to themselves. You see, a lot of times when people are giving you direct advice, they are talking to themselves. I do not hide that fact many times on this podcast when I am giving out advice, if you will, or things to think about. I am experiencing that currently in my life. And when I go back and hear this podcast or when I'm done, I tend not to listen after I post these. But while I'm doing the podcast, I do say, wow, okay, that's what I'm saying to myself. And I take heed to that. So many people that give advice are preaching to themselves. And if you can keep that in mind when people are talking to you and try to listen with that as your filter, as people are telling you what you should do, what you shouldn't do, or when they tend to judge your choices of your life, they are preaching to themselves. And I can tell you this further. If you live a life that is different than the person that is giving you advice or, in quotes, is disappointed in your choices, if you will, more than likely it's because the life you have chosen to lead is different from theirs. And if you are happy in the life that you've chosen that is opposite their choices or opposite their way of life, essentially, just by you existing, you are putting in front of their face well, potential that the choices they have made well, could be different or, well, could be wrong, in quotes, right, even though that is a perception. So what I'm trying to get through to you here is when people are not only preaching to you or telling you their advice, their judgment of you and your life and your choices, it is typically because the life you choose to live is different than theirs. And if you are happy in the life you have chosen that is different than theirs, that is an ultimate in your face of them and their faces that, well, perhaps the choices they have made could be different and or are, quotes, wrong. See, when people make choices in their lives and choose to live it one way and someone else lives it a different way, well, It makes them have to question their own life, their own choices and what they have decided. And a lot of times people are not, well, completely happy or sure, secure in the life that they have chosen. So when someone else lives it differently, they will judge. They will judge you directly because if you are correct, if what you are living makes you happy opposite theirs, it makes them question their life and have to say, wait a minute. If they are happy in the opposite choices that I would make or would have made, well, then perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps maybe deep inside they wish they could be you or wish they made the choices that you have made or could make and they may feel a certain way. Maybe they have been scared to live how you have led your life for a long time or a short time, whatever that may be. But again, if it's opposite their beliefs, essentially just by living your life, what you are putting in their face is, well, you could be doing it differently. What you are living currently, well, may not be the only way. And that scares people. And that scares people into judging. That scares people into looking at your life ripping it apart, becoming the critic of your life, right? A lot of times uh, I write in my book about learning to become an observer of your thoughts, right? Learning not to be a critic of your own life, right? But yet an observer of the choices we make. 
and find those silver linings, right? So a lot of people that tend to judge are judging themselves through your life. And typically, if they are giving you advice on what you should do, in quotes, that means you are opposite what they do. And, well, they can't quite fathom that. They can't, they're not allowed to fathom that. The cognitive dissonance begins to kick in and say, wait, they cannot be happy in living that life because those are not the choices I made. So how could they be happy doing it? Well, that scares them. And it makes them say, well, what if I wanted to live that way? I guess I maybe could have tried it. Maybe I want to live that way deep inside. And if you can apply this filter to those that give you advice freely, even if unsolicited, if you haven't asked for that advice and they tend to be the critic or the judge of your choices in your life from the outside and or behind your back, well, more than likely it's because you are challenging their beliefs directly. And if you're right, that means they could be wrong and that cognitive dissonance kicks in and they just cannot have that. So judgment comes for many reasons other than the ones I've just named. It also comes from a, well, from those that are judging, from a, well, lack of self-confidence in their own choices and the ability for those to choose their own lives. If one steps back and says, hey, this is how I believe you should or one should live life and how I have lived life, look at the things I have, look at what I have obtained, this must be masturbation, right? If you've listened to the podcast or read my book, you know what I mean. This must be the way. It has to be the way because I have chosen this path and your choices seem to be opposite my choices in my life. Therefore, I must judge, condemn, or give you advice or critique on what you should be doing. It's scary to those. So typically, when people are preaching or judging you, they are preaching to themselves and, well, you may be causing them to judge themselves. Many times they will tell you, this is what you should do. If I were you, this is what I would do. Well, they are not you. And at the end of this whole life thing, it'll be you laying with you. And can you accept the choices that you have made, I think is the real trick in this whole thing. Being able to accept how we have chosen to live our own lives, despite the judgment of others. And as I squirrel off here for a while, if you find it interesting, as I do, that well, when we die, what do you think about most? Do you think about beyond the fact of how your kids will be? Are they okay beyond some of those obvious things? Do you think about what people will think about you? Do you think about your quotes legacy of what that may mean? I find it interesting that at the end of the life of our lives, many times what we marinate most on is what people will think of us and how we lived our lives. But if you really stretch it out longer and go two or three generations later, who really remembers you? And I'll preface that by saying, do you know your great-grandmother? Do you know your great-great-grandfather? Who were they? And what's their full name, their birth date? You see, we all go away in due time. But for some reason, we hope to hold on to some legacy to pass on as if it's some sort of lasting grab at immortality to stay longer on this earth. So as we think about the idea of how we lead our lives, and in the end, how much others will think about our lives and what they will say about us, but yet we will say we don't care what other people think. I think it's interesting how much other people's judgment of us drives us to do and be who we are, what we'll do tomorrow or the day after that. And when we think about the end, I know when I think about the end, I, constant, I contemplate what someone may say about me. Who was Adam? Was he a good guy? Did he care? Did he make mistakes? Did he only care about himself? See, I wonder these things, as you might too. But then we have to pause and go, wait. Well, once we leave, we're dead and that's it. Why do we care so much what they will say about us? Because if you care so much about what they may say about you along the way, you may well lose who you are. You may forget who you are. 
And we can't deny that the social influence and those around us, our families, our friends, our coworkers, etc., well, they certainly influence how we act, what we say, and what we'll do, despite how much we say we don't care what anyone thinks. Are you really living your life today as if you don't care what anyone would think? Are we planning the legacy for the end to what someone or others, including your children, may think about who you were? And how long does that really last? I ponder this a lot lately to think about, wow, in the end, we care so much about the legacy that we choose to leave or the reputation that we choose to leave, what one might say about us in our eulogy but then may proclaim one day through some meme that, well, we don't care what other people think about us. Like I said, I think perhaps the trick is learning to live with yourself in this game of life and what it may mean at the end if you could for a moment, if possible, remove all constructs of religion, society, and anything else that may curb the person you are, quote, supposed to be, end quote. How might you live? What might you do? You see, I pondered this not long ago, and a thought, an idea, if I could let go the judgment of others, including the judgment of self for actions or thoughts, and anything that maybe religion or family or parental or children units may believe about us or our actions, or the ramifications of society's return to our consequences of our choice, if you could remove all of those constructs for a moment, perhaps that there is no afterlife. I'm not saying that I know that there is or I believe there isn't. I'm saying for a moment, if you could remove the judgment, perhaps that exists in an afterlife beyond this life, if you could remove that, remove self-judgment and look at the end and say, well, if for a moment, if that's just it, if the end is just the end and that's it, if we could just say that it is and I know it's difficult to remove the beliefs and the schemas that have been embedded in us over our years, but if you could remove self-judgment and judgment from others, including your children and those you love, at the end, and you knew there wasn't anything waiting on you in that judgment, what do you think? You see, when I thought that for a moment, I have to be honest and tell you, I felt complete freedom. And that made me think even further. Wow, I felt complete freedom for just a moment in the belief and the idea that if I could live that way, free of self-judgment included, which is a difficult thing to do, and judgment of others or what they may say about us when we are gone or when we are here, how might you feel? What might you think? Ponder that with me for a moment, if you could. I know it's difficult. It's difficult for me to do, to remove the constructs of all of the things that have been embedded in us since we were children and all the way up until now. Are you living your authentic life? Are you living that authentic you, making the choices that you want to? I can hear it in the background saying, well, I have responsibilities and I can't simply just think for myself. I get that. These two are constructs that are passed down through culture. If you lived in some remote island somewhere that existed and perhaps you didn't know any of these things or you weren't imparted on these constructs in your life, you may understand what that means or what it could feel like. Free of self-judgment and the worry of judgment of others and what they may say in your eulogy. What would you do tomorrow? What would you do tomorrow and what choice would you make if you were free from judgment of others and self? You see, the truth is, those things don't really exist anyway. They exist in a construct and a mind frame that we have downloaded as being reality. So we may make excuses or rationalize for why we can't choose what we want to choose. You see? But in the end, perhaps all we really care about is what they thought about us. Maybe we care more about what we 
think about us in the end. And if you are laying there at the end, and if what you think about you means more than what they may think about you, well, then what might you think about you if you get to the end and, well, you didn't live your authentic self and make those choices free from the judgment of others or the worry of consequence of what may happen if you were to be yourself? Do you see where I'm going? Can you follow that? If we are worried most about judgment of self at the end and are we okay with ourselves and the choices we made, did we live an authentic and real life to which our hearts and our minds and our spirit wished us to be? What's harder to deal with? The fact that the truth is, is that we do care what other people think or may say about us when we are gone? Or when we are at the end and we realize how much what other people thought about us affected our lives so much to where we possibly didn't live our lives. I ponder that thought a lot and what hits me the most as I go back to my original thought was my initial thought of ultimate freedom. I felt an ultimate freedom based on what I was thinking. And I can't shake that today. I cannot shake the fact that my first emotional response and thought when I was able to place myself there free of all of those constructs of the end and what they may think, my first thought and response was ultimate freedom. I can't shake that. But yet, somehow, I will continue to make choices and have made choices that, well is influenced by what others may think about me, what they may say about me while I'm here or next week or next month or 10 years from now and maybe when I'm gone. It's a scary thought to think about sometimes and a fuzzy gray line, right? About how much we want to think others don't affect us or what they may think about us. Well, perhaps, well, Adam, I'm just my own personal judge and critic, and that bothers me most. Well, when you die, from what we know, you won't be able to think or judge yourself from there. It'll just be left up to those that are left here to judge you, I guess. But does it matter once we're gone what they say about us? Does it really? Because if we look at the existence of time and humans, well, we're about the head of a pin in a two-mile existence of life on Earth and the existence of the universe that we're just a little mark if we take in all of human existence since the beginning of human time. We are a pin needle on a mile of, it, of, it, it's, of its existence. That, too, makes me kind of go, Wow. You look at all of humans that have ever been, they would fit on a pin needle to a mile of how much the universe and the world has existed, right? It's a crazy thing, really. To digress about those judging you, it does affect us, right? If people we love decide to judge us or tell us what we should do, Many times, people that give you advice or, well, giving you advice perhaps maybe on, hey, live your life this way because I didn't. And, well, I don't want you to end up like me in my life. Well, I'm not so sure I'd take advice from somebody that couldn't follow their own advice. I don't know how good that advice really is, to be honest. And can we follow our own advice that we give others? And most of the time, keep in mind, the advice that we give others, we're typically preaching to ourselves, right? Because this is the reality. You see, a lot of times when people are looking for advice to call the person that they, well, want to call, we typically call who we want to that we know is going to give us the words and advice of, we, of what we want to hear anyway. You'll call that one friend that you know will tell you to go through with it. Or that one person that will tell you, don't do it. You know what you want to do, so you'll call the one that says, I don't 
think you should do it because, well, frankly, that's what you wanted to hear. And we call the people that give us the confirmation of what we want to do anyway, of what our heart's desire is anyway. So it's not just others that I'm telling you about when they give you advice to be wary of as they preach to themselves, as they tell you what you should do. Be wary of the advice you give. Because the advice that we give more than likely makes us transparent and we are simply talking to ourselves in some indirect fashion. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Those that judge us, judge us and those that we may judge. But who are we to judge and who am I to judge, right? It's simply food for thought. I wanted you to think about for a moment that when people judge you, you are confronting their life. Right? They have a set of beliefs or schemas that they have lived by that have brought them to the life they currently lead. And if you lead an opposite life of that, and if you are happy in that, well, they just can't believe that you're happy in that because, well, that would make their lives, well, possibly wrong, in quotes, right? I'm recapping how I opened this. Your life, what you believe, if different from someone else, is putting in their face a different way of life, a different path to happiness. And if you are, they may step back and say, you're headed down the wrong path. This isn't what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I'm disappointed in your choices, they may tell you. Are we supposed to live their life? And if you give advice, as I do from time to time, are those supposed to live your life? <laughs> you would know that if I'm using the word supposed to, that this is irrational. There is no supposed to, right? That the life itself is mere perception left to the subjective person's perception of what should or should not be influenced by the current society cultural standards. I mean, after all, the first four letters to the word culture or cultural is cult. And that's essentially what that means. And we are influenced by that constantly. You are inundated of what and who you are supposed to be. And speaking of that, I'm going to roll into my next topic about the sustainability of fame. The sustainability of the online fame of people telling you, live this life to live your best life. Do what I do. Use the products that I use. Say the things that I say. Read what I read and then you will be as good as me. You hear often. What are the costs? What are the costs to the person, the fan, and society with online fame? What exactly is being monetized? Words? Their products? Tangible goods and services? What is the economy built on? This online community. Ego and self-improvement? Arguments? Misleading science? Perhaps lives? By self-improvement, we are manufacturing better people. So does that equal a better society? Perhaps. But watching those and being one that continually needs to make content or roll the crap dice in order to generate revenue, where does it begin to veer off? Helping others to help yourself too. Eventually, as you begin to put content out and, well, if your job or your economy, your personal economy is based on content and thus the creation of content or to sell your product or sell advertising from your social media page or whatever that may be, when does it begin to veer off from helping other people into helping yourself? And with the need to constantly generate content, where does one veer off? Where does one veer off helping others to help oneself? This is what I mean about the foundation and sustainability to not only an economy and a society, but to the brand maker 
and the follower. What are we really selling? Money exchanges hands. We sell products and hats and shirts with brand names on them and quotes and things. More stuff that goes out so one can make more money off their brand followed by thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people. But in the end, what is actually tangible? And I often ponder the detriment of who? Does the follower really receive things that are necessary or add to their lives? I wonder. I often wonder more about the actual brand maker themselves. Being a brand myself, I know what that's like. I know on a few podcasts I have crossed my own beliefs in order to, well, promote something and have had to come back from that to remain, hey, authentic, if you will. You see, there's a lot of YouTubers and Instagrammers, little side note with an asterisk, for girls 18 and under, the number one dream and job, as rated by almost 30,000 high school students, female students, the number one thing that they wished to be was an Instagram star. Now, this is a thing. You can make money on it. You certainly can. And in the new world we live in, you could make millions of dollars playing video games, too. But I did sigh for a moment in some disappointment when I read this study. That of 30,000 female high school students, the number one dream job was to be an Instagram star. And well, if you know like I know, Instagram stars, female particularly, well, it generally means half-clothed young ladies in some provocative stance. Now, that's not all of them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a moron. I am competent to some degree that I know you can do it making beautiful pictures and generating wonderful content. Don't get me wrong. But I'm still saying that the number one job was wishing to be an Instagram star. And, well, if this came true, right, if the dreams come true, if we were to follow every meme that is told to you, follow your dream and it will come true, you have to be persistent and never give up. And if the number one goal is to be an Instagram star and that many young ladies, or even men too, that wish to be that, well, let's assume everyone becomes a star. Well, who's following who now? Wouldn't a star have to follow a star? Wouldn't an influencer have to follow another influencer? What if we were all famous? Would there still be that much money to go around? Many of the young YouTubers have been pretty outspoken about the onset of depression and anxiety that has plagued them as they have furthered their brand through social media, be that YouTube or anywhere else. Many have taken breaks. Many have had psychotic breaks due to the constant judgment that all of us online that do this are open to and under the scope of. Mix this with the constant judgment of self and others I spoke about earlier, along with millions of people that judge your content or your delivery or your artistic design, then, well, perhaps I can understand why the young social media influencers take breaks and have a high rate of anxiety and depression because everything that you do with your profession hinges on the judgment from others, whether they follow, like, unlike, or comment poorly or review kindly. It's a dangerous place to go, to be honest, but yet most of us try to do it. It's a scary thing. Seeking to help others, perhaps, but then once you get into it, you start to lose sight. This is why I've never really sold products. I've never really sold hats and shirts and, you know, branded and monetized the brand. I have a book out and, well, that's it. And I have subscribers on a podcast and I've sold some sponsorships to that. But other than that, I have not uh, monetized well, as someone may say, the reach that which we currently have on the Cognitive Rampage. But that wasn't the point. I started this to help other people. And 
I often have been confronted with where do I cross that line to monetize things, people, if you will, to buy my products or things or sign up for groups. It's uh, a gray line for me that I haven't fully really crossed, you know. You see, the relentless social media pushes and campaigns to better yourself through brands or the better brands cause people to constantly believe that they need to be better than what they are, that performance equals personal value. Does a baby, a newborn, have present value? I mean, they don't truly perform anything. If anything, they give you work to do. I mean, they cry. They can't even walk. Does the baby have value? Of course. So why does your performance dictate your daily personal value? When it is video after video, meme after meme, telling you basically how to be, you should be better. This this comes from product marketing as well. Once you have one of these, your life will be better. Once you acquire, then you'll be. Once you eliminate this, and then you'll be better. Chasing their, their idea of better and perfection is when you lose your already best self. And if I hear living my best life one more time, I'm going to kick someone. I frankly don't know what that means, living my best life, okay? But if you continue to follow these ideas of what better means, I want you to think for a moment what that means in the present. If you are choosing to be better, I must be better, perform better, better health, I must look better, I must help more people better, I have to be better, therefore you in the present isn't enough. But those same people will also tell you to learn to be present and content in the present with who you are and what you have. But yet, if you buy these products through this click funnel I have organized, then you'll be even better. Their definition of better. And this circles back to my beginning topic of what I was initially talking about. Judgment of others onto your life. And how they preach to you, they're really preaching to themselves. And perhaps all of us social media influencers, in quotes, I can't stand that definition, but it's used today. So perhaps all social media influencers truly are preaching to themselves daily about how they wish they could be better. Bet they won't ever tell you that. Keep in mind that the judgment of others is coming generally from the lack of confidence in oneself as they tell you they are disappointed in your choices in the way you live your life because it more than likely is opposite their belief schemas and how they live their life and they just can't stand it because if you're happy living the opposite life with opposite choices, then you are confronting their own lives And most humans cannot deal with that. They would rather judge you and tell you, oh, you just wait. I know what's going to happen. Perhaps they lack the ambivalence. I find ambivalence lacking in many people these days. I have issues with it myself. The ability to see both sides of the story without bias in full understanding of the right for anyone else's subjective perception of life and what they're supposed to choose. It's an interesting thing, right? Be wary wary of those that give you advice on what you should do, for they are preaching to themselves, and be wary of the advice you give others for more than likely you are preaching to yourself. And those that judge you Now wear the filter. Now that you are armed with the competence, please wear this armor and listen to them with the filter of understanding that if your life is different, you are confronting them that their life could have been different. And well, if you're happy in making opposite choices than they are, then you are telling them that perhaps the life and beliefs they have, well, could be wrong. And that's scary to many people.
keep in mind how much what we believe others may say about us or say about us at the end really affects us. And think about if it is your last day and you have time to ponder as you lay on that deathbed, what do you hope? What do you worry about? What do you think most of? Do you worry most about what they may say about you? Or do you worry most about yourself of going, I didn't quite live how I wanted to live and do what I wanted to do? Perhaps it's a combination of both. But what I know is when I thought about being released and relieved from all of the stresses and judgment of others on how I should live my life or what they may say or think about me, in their mind or while I'm here or tomorrow or when I'm gone and the judgment that may come in some afterlife when I removed that, when I removed the judgment of self of who I am supposed to be and what others believe I am supposed or should be, when I removed that for a moment in my mind, I felt ultimate freedom. The freest I have ever felt. I want to get back to that. I want to live that. I don't know if it's possible. But I know in that half a second I felt a freedom to which I have never felt in my life. And perhaps you can find that freedom with me or in your life. For in the end, it's just you. And when you're gone, I don't think it really matters anymore, do you? Live for yourself, not what others think you should do. Don't make choices based on who you think you're supposed to be or shoes you should fill or last names you must carry on. Because truly, in the end, isn't it what you think of your life that you led that may matter most? In those last breaths, and at those last breaths of yours, you can at least say, I lived my life despite the judgment of others. Well, well, then perhaps you too felt ultimate freedom even for a moment. I hope you're taking care of you. I hope you live in your cognitive rampage. The next podcast I'm going to do is going to reference a book that I'm slowly grinding on that may see the light of day one day soon, Athlete's Depression, a diagnosis I believe that should be included. You see, this is the issue I have with Athlete's Depression. I'll be honest with you. This is why writing this book has been a problem for me. I have written a book in a done a 230-something podcast to date that have argued the idea about diagnoses being theoretical, which they are, and I'll not do my best not to go on a tangent here, that diagnoses sometimes, for the most part, can be, well, detrimental and damaging. You seek counseling, you seek a hammer, thus you will be a nail. And as you seek counseling and therapy, well, then a diagnosis, well, will have to be applied because this is how they charge your insurance. And when we are given a theoretical diagnosis of an experience of life, be that depression or anxiety, we begin to download this as being something. So in some sense, I have argued against the idea of diagnosing as being a problem to which it is unto itself. But here I am wanting to write a book called Athlete's Depression that I believe should be a diagnosis in this book. And this is the conundrum that plagues my mind daily. But I also, in jest, will tell you that these diagnoses are necessary in order to structure treatment, help, to grab understanding and research about the human experience. A double-edged sword, perhaps, these diagnoses are. I often wondered what would happen if someone went to therapy 
and they never had to hear a diagnosis. The diagnosis was just simply written down so insurance would compensate the practitioner and you never had to hear what you had. Well, I know that may be impossible, especially if they're trying to prescribe you pills to clear up what it is you're experiencing in your human experience. So for me, as I write Athlete's Depression or Ponder on the structure of this book, I go back and forth with the idea of do I want to add another diagnosis to the DSM? Do I want to add insult to injury? But then on the other hand, I think, well, if athletes just knew about this thing that I call athlete's depression, perhaps misdiagnoses, overdoses, and tons of other things would not continue amongst athletes of what athlete's depression really is. I told you I was transparent on this podcast. Perhaps the book will be more of an investigation, but that's going to be the next podcast. I'm going to talk about social media debating. I'm going to talk about why we lie. The next podcast I'm going to talk about is why we lie and the science and research behind why we lie. Covered a little bit about performance versus value, but I will go further in depth into that and also talk to you more about my investigation about athletes' depression. So on the next, on the next Cognitive Rampage podcast, social media debating why we lie and the scientific results of why we lie and research that points to why we lie a little more about performance versus value because the two are linked why we lie is linked to performance versus value that the value of which you have is linked to performance which is an utter lie how you perform does not equal the value of you as a person remember the infant i talked about the infant has value but yet performs nothing and then I'll open up or end that show more than likely with some of the investigating about athletes' depression and what I've found and what I've been thinking about. And I'll also cover toil and distress in the top five and how to deal with toil, stress, and what the top five responses are in the human experience. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thank you, everyone that has that has subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. I love you all very much. We're in dang near every country in the world right now, which is so cool to see. 250,000 subscribers on iTunes. Sometimes I don't even believe it. I just go, oh, my God. Wow, really? I think it's just amazing. And I, it's so cool. And thank you all. To those of you that watch live on Facebook or watch live on our YouTube channel, and a lot of love to those that listen on iTunes, Podbean, or Stitcher, if you have an Android, all over the place. Thank you so very much. Cognitive gratitude, as I like to tell you. My book is also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle version, and I'm working on an audio book right now. I want to be the person that reads my own book in an audio book, so it takes a little time, okay? So bear with me as I'm trying to put that audio book together. But I love you all very much. Like I love to say, I hope you're taking care of you. I hope you are living your cognitive rampage. Love you. Minio, say it with me, Minio. Okay, great, two forks high, base stakes, risk it all, I take the hate, this the winning team, get the Gatorade, my guy good, but he's not safe, no. They try to shut us down, and it ain't gon' slide, only thing I fear is God, and he on my side, that's the confidence I got, cause he got me, that's why I really feel like you.
biggest opponent. You know me, I know you, we know it. Whenever I fail, you always been there to simply remind me you're blown it. You don't see when I'm growing. You don't see where I'm going. You only see in the moment. You know my mistakes. You never let go of it. Huh? Don't cease to amaze me, and it drive me crazy. Huh? Did you catch every detail that I missed in the songs I'm making? Singing, you will never write a verse like Kendrick. Never be the rapper I got from Hendrix. Top ten alive, you will never be mentioned. Why aim so high? Won't survive the trenches. Plus, you a Christian, Andy. They will never listen, Andy. Plus, we a pigment, Andy. You don't got skill, you a gimmick, Andy. Well, if I listen to you and everything you put in my ear, I'll be living like what a shutter coulda. I'll be paralyzed by fear. Huh? Ain't that the truth? If I quit, the only way I lose, I got two choices when I do this: make moves or make excuses. My biggest enemy is me, and even I can't stop it. They try to shut us down, and it ain't gon' slide. Only thing I fear is God, and He on my side. That's the confidence I got, 'cause He got me. That's why I really feel like you can't stop me. That's all you got. Come on with it. That's all you got. You can't stop me. Turn down, folks.